Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for His sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. This episode will air on Labor Day weekend, and I often like to take a moment to pause and ponder and reflect on the contributions of others during holidays. We didn't just arrive here as a culture. We stand on the shoulders of previous generations who sacrificed greatly for our benefit. Many holidays result from war and other great sacrifices made by brave men and women. Labor Day causes me to ponder the gift of the people who built this country. I know we work hard, but I'm not sure we work as hard as those who built railroads, worked in coal mines, built entire cities, and did the kind of manual labor that left workers exhausted at the end of the day, only to come home and rest so they could do it bright and early the following day. I and others owe a debt of gratitude for the infrastructure industry, and opportunities our country enjoys. Labor Day is a federal holiday in the United States that recognizes workers' contributions. It's celebrated on the first Monday in September. The first state to legalize Labor Day was Oregon. This state had initially observed this holiday on the first Saturday in June. But other states soon followed, including New York, Massachusetts, New Jersey. And in 1894, the holiday was finally federally recognized. According to Bloomberg BNA, about 40% of employers will require some employees to work on Labor Day. So whether you have the day off or are hopefully getting some deserved overtime pay, I hope you enjoy this day. As we get ready to experience the Labor Day weekend, it makes me think about the concept of work. How we Americans think about work, whether good or bad. For example, for a generation or two, I believe that work has been seen as a means to an end or something that we can eventually retire from. Isn't that what we do? We work hard, we save up enough money so we can spend the rest of our days sitting on a beach or in a hammock, you know, doing whatever we want. And on the one hand, I think that sometimes we free ourselves up to explore our passion areas or get some much needed rest. But I'm not the kind of person who does well laying at a beach or in a hammock. I think that I'm too much of a busybody. And I'm glad to see that in recent years, the teaching from the church on work has changed from, again, kind of that Americanized retirement sentiment to one of a life full of productivity and purpose and one where we bring our Christian witness with us into work, and in other areas of productivity. For a season, it seemed like we believed that work was just another element of the fall, that Adam and Eve were just relaxing in Eden until the fall, and then when everything got difficult, they had to work the land as a punitive punishment for what they're doing. And that fed this narrative that can at times cause laziness and cause dissatisfaction with work that some viewed as beneath us. 
Some people go to work every single day with a kind of a resentful attitude, especially if they're not in their preferred area. But what's amazing about the gospel is it can give purpose and meaning to even the most trivial of life's experiences. And we see this in work. Tim Keller, in his work, Every Good Endeavor, discussed that the Christian faith provides a moral compass, a sophisticated hope, and a new identity for work. And as a result, people can find joy and contentment in their work. He said in that book, a job is a vocation only if someone calls you to do it for them rather than for yourself. And so our work can be a calling only if it is remained as a mission of service to something beyond merely our own interests. Thinking of work mainly as a means of self-fulfillment and self-realization slowly crushes a person. That seems kind of tough, but if you really break it apart and think about it, it holds up because for many of us, the work is a means to an end or it is our means of validation. And when we're living for something that is simply transactional, it will never satisfy. But the gospel is transformational. So when we're living with that sense of purpose and applying it to our lives and our work, we find ourselves fulfilled and effective for Christ. Tim Keller added that if our identity is in our work rather than Christ, success will go to our heads and failure will go to our hearts. We've seen this time and time again as people have slid morally amid sometimes even their greatest professional successes. In previous episodes, Dan Darling mentioned that when ability exceeds our character, disaster usually follows. So no matter the circumstance, keep our eyes on the gospel. Before I move on, I should look at the first couple of chapters of Genesis. The creation story is so beautiful. It's intimate. It is good. When talking to people who are in need of hope or even skeptical, it's always good to begin with, and it was good. Because, friend, it was good. The creation was good. It was orderly. It was for our benefit. God created this wonderful world for us, and we have benefited greatly from that. More importantly, he made us in his image. And with his characteristics, the love and the care of the the formation of humanity from the soil, not spoken to existence, but crafted with great care. This begins everything about our nature, everything about ourselves, comes down to creation because the dignity and the purpose that comes starts even from the first chapter of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God says to fill the earth and subdue it. And the work is implied. Subdue does not mean pollute, take advantage of, destroy. It just seems, it just means that the earth was made to be worked, to be improved, and man needs things to do to be productive. In Genesis 2, verse 15, human beings are called to work and keep it, and the implication while God works. For us as the provider. This is something that caught me off guard the first time I did a reread and looked at it because I was one who perhaps made that mistake of thinking that the toil of my work could be traced back to the fall. And when you see Adam working 
pre-fall in Genesis chapter 2, it alludes to the fact that God did not create us to be lazy. God did not create us to be purposeless. He created us to be productive. Because as image bearers, we have a productive God. We have a creative God. We have a wonderful God. And in many cases, we are to emulate his character and honor his creation. In many cases, people think of the fall as basically destroying all creation and therefore there's no point in working and we're just trying to survive until the next life. But having said that, God is restoring his creation. This narrative that began in Genesis and ends in Revelation gives hope and purpose and meaning to our daily tasks and we are called to faithfulness as stewards of what God gives us on this planet while we're here. So whether that is agricultural, whether you actually do ride a tractor or grow crops or do that kind of manual labor, or whether you are in charge of finances or the law or education, there's purpose and hope in everything you do. And the gospel needs to be a part of every bit of your life and your work. In the foreword of Every Good Endeavor, Catherine Leary Alsdorf makes an amazing challenge to Christians when she describes those wrestling with their call to serve God in business. The marketplace needs more people of faith. In many situations, you have people who are trying to leave the workplace to do their Christian passions and vocations, not realizing that maybe their Christian mission is in that setting. A quote from her says, Many churches are more concerned with helping marketplace workers serve inside the church rather than equipping them to serve in the world. And she states, the answers will all hang on the essential theology, the knowledge of who God is, his relation to man, his plan for the world, and how the good news of the gospel of Christ turns our lives and the way we work upside down. Friend, I don't know where you are today. Do you like your job? Do you like what you do? And by the way, raising children is as much work and as pivotal as important as any work that happens outside the home. But do you like it? Is this something that you resent? Is this something that you see as punitive? Friend, I encourage you to be open to the fact that God can transform that job that maybe you hate, that environment is maybe not the best, into an amazing opportunity to share your faith, to testify through your good work, to show people the honesty and integrity that can come from a gospel-believing worker. So many people have given up on ethics in the workplace. So many people are so jaded and sad. As someone who's been a ministry practitioner, I need to encourage you, if you're waiting for that person to come to visit your church to hear about the gospel, that's not very likely. More likely, your relationship with them, your witness in the workplace, and your example of living out the gospel is going to make a much deeper impact than anything that can happen from a professional minister. Many Christian leaders point to our work as a major point of our testimony. Augustine says, pray as though everything depended on God, Work as though everything depended on you. Billy Graham adds, read the Bible, work hard and honestly, 
and don't complain. And Thomas Aquinas says, to live well is to work well, to show a good activity. I like the words of A.W. Tozer who says, man appears for a little while to laugh and to weep, work and to play, and then go to make room for those who shall follow him in never-ending cycle. Friends, we're steward leaders at this time, and our work is one of our greatest testimonies. When the church has been at its most potent and when revival has really been breaking out, it has been in the hands of the laity, the everyday Christians who love the Lord and go to church and serve him and take their faith to the marketplace. That's when things happen. That's when things get exciting. And I encourage you to do that. As I sign off today, I leave you with this thought. I would be remiss to not mention the Sabbath. The fact that I'm happy that this Labor Day holiday is a chance for people to rest. Because for every person that resents work and just cannot wait to one day retire, there's probably some who are wrapped up in the work in an an unhealthy manner that find all of their life's purpose, all of their life's validation in what they do. They're not human beings, they're human doings. And that too can be destructive. And for those people, I also take them back to Genesis to look at chapter one in the Sabbath. God has created a rhythm for us that's healthy so that we can be productive, so that we can honor him, so that we can have a purpose in our life in addition to our, of course, heavenly purpose. But also, don't forget to rest, friend. It can get unhealthy. So this Labor Day weekend, I wish for you purpose in your work, opportunities for rest, and a purpose in your life. I'll see you next time on Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.